All right, friends, we'd like to welcome you back to another spellbinding episode of VA Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Oste, joined, as always, by uh, our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. Happy New Year, Kev. Yes, Happy New Year to you, too. A couple weeks into it already. Right, right. It's flying by already. Can't tell by the weather. No, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> Good gravy. Today was black ice and car crashes all around me. Yeah, that's that's not fun. Uh, nope. Here, where I'm at, uh, just outside of uh, the bustling metropolis of Redbud, Illinois, home of V8 Global Headquarters, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually in the... You know, pushing the 50s today, so it's starting to come around. Really? Yeah, but so I, I ventured back out into the garage, and it's right uh, it's probably probably low mid 30s out here tonight. Mm, all so, right, brave in the cold. But it's all good. Right on, yeah. right on. Good deal. So, uh, anything uh, new and exciting on your end? Um, I'm. A breath away from getting my engine back, albeit not complete. Holy mackerel! Finally, I mean, you you talked me into it, and and Kelly uh, encouraged me to uh, to uh, take some steps to get that back, and did what I had to do. So all I got to do is pay the outstanding balance on it, and I can go get it. Well, right on. So so, so. I don't think we've really uh, touched on the scenario that that went down. No, <laughs> leading the events leading up to you potentially getting the engine for your GTO home from the machine shop after twenty six uh, months or something, but nobody's counting. Something close to that. Well, it, it'd be two years this April or May, so closing in on two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so let, let, let's recap the end of this, shall we? <laughs> sure, <laughs> let's do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, hold on, but before we do. Did you catch that? Okay. Oh, uh, I, on this show, I know where you're heading. Yes, we oftentimes uh, uh, throw out a trivia question, automotive-related trivia question, to try and mm-hmm. uh, you know give you something to uh, a little a little hey thanks for listening to the whole show. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time we actually conveniently created another hook with the trivia question because now they're waiting Looking to hear us. about your engine. Right. We're terrible, right. man. We're just cruel. We're starting to really figure this whole show thing out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we right. really did our show prep today. <clears throat> yes. Yes, I did. Uh, so do you have a trivia question? Indeed, I do, sir. And you know what? I I, um, I feel kind of bad for that last one, our end-of-year trivia question. I was going to say, did you uh, dumb it down about 200 notches yeah, for well, the Yeah, well, I guy mean, here? I just, just slapped you all over the place on that one. And, I mean, I don't think anybody would have gotten that. So, yeah, I... I um, I think I think I'm taking it easy on you this time. So um, if you're ready, I'm ready. All right. Well, I, I'm ready. Thank thank you for considering uh, my my fragile ego. So well, so what do you know. what do you got? Okay. Um, as we all know, uh, Chevrolet never had an '83 Corvette. You know, we went from '82 straight to '84 for various reasons. However, there were some 1983 prototypes that were made. How many prototypes were created, and how many survive today? What? What, what do you mean? That's a softball <laughs> for a guy like you. All right, so uh, <clears throat> let me just make sure I got the terminology uh, correct here. 
So uh, a prototype is, according to my understanding, is pre-production. Yes, pre-production. Now, are we talking a prototype for the eventual 1984 model launch? I'm talking, well, I'm talking about the pre-production prototypes that were built to be the 83 Corvette, which was, which was going to be the C4. The 83 would have, would have been, would have been the C4 Corvette. Right, right, right. So you got, you got prototypes, then you've got some engineering mules that are fully Mm -hmm. functioning cars that are driving around. Then you have a pilot car, which is kind of like the first one down the line to test the assembly process, mm-hmm. which eventually, mo- you know, many pilot cars got scrapped, but some got sold. So, well, we know none got sold. Okay, all right. I'm just trying to land here, and you know, you're making this question a lot more difficult than I intended it to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to make it even more ridiculous because the when the '84 hit the streets, they had been developing it for many years. Mm-hmm. So are we talking something that was like, here, let's test out the the driveline in, uh, you know, early 81? Is this looking at aerodynamic stuff back in 78? You know, because Corvettes All don't right. just happen. All right, we're going to, we're <laughs> gonna just going to cut to the chase on this one. How many, how many survive today? How many of these prototypes are there? All right. I'm going to say, I have no idea because there's too many variables. I'm going to say three. All right. <laughs> just, just three. done with this whole thing already. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Jesus, man. A, it was a simple question. What's the matter with you? Uh, <laughs> but you, you see what I'm saying here. It, it gets murky real fast because... You know, <coughs> yeah, the, the, the equivalent would be saying, okay, so the C8 Corvette is rumored <laughs> to be mid-engine. Mid-engine. So, so how many mid-engine prototypes were there? Well, there was mid-engine Corvette prototypes in the 60s. And they but all not techni- meant to be well, they the all 2018 or 2019 vet. It just happened that way. They just, you know, they the stuff they learned then yeah. might have been shelved and brought back and, all you know. Right. All right. I think you're digging a little deeper than necessary, but that's okay. <laughs> well, it still hurts to sit down after the last one. So, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to say there was three. That's my final answer. All right, Kevin says three is final answer. Right. I will say that you can see that there are more than zero, and you can see them at the um, National Corvette Museum. Good. <clears throat> I'll have to go there and check them out. However many mm-hmm. there are. Yes, indeed. Okay, I'm going to reciprocate with a, uh, a softball question of my own. What, okay. what was the first year for bucket seats in an American full-size car, and what was it? Well, all right, first year mm-hmm. for bucket seats in a full-size car. Mm-hmm. Okay, an, an American full-size car. Um, right, because European cars... Never right. had anything else. They don't count. Right. Right. Nice. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, <clears throat> well, well, all right. Hmm. Let me think about this. And I will say just the front. It's not something tricky like, you know, all bucket seats, just front bucket seats. Just as front bucket Traditionally seats. accepted. 
okay. definition. Okay. Um, Spellbinding, isn't it? Yeah, that's a real softball, Kev. Yeah. That's like fast pitch right there. <laughs> <laughs> fast pitch, 12-inch. I thought I was looking for 16-inch. Yeah. Chicago rules. Come on, buddy. That's right. Um. All right. Oh God, I'm trying to even. I'm trying to sort through this here. Um. Well, share the process. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. A full size car. Mm-hmm. I would would think it would be a brand that would be. Known for maybe a sporty kind of a car. Mm-hmm. Maybe they wanted to kind of give that feel to the to the, the full size, or maybe it's just a luxury thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So the question was the first, what brand? First year for bucket first seats year in an American okay, full size car. Bucket seats in a full size, and, and what was it? And what was the car? Okay. I'm going to say 1959 Cadillac. Wow. 19, I'm going to write this down. 1959 Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. So, <clears throat> what, uh, okay, that's what you're going to go with? That's your final answer? That's my final answer. That's... This what popped into my head. <laughs> right on. Well, there yeah. you go. It's been noted. Among a few other select adjectives. Yeah, I, I, I bet. I bet. All right. Well, that's been noted, and uh, we will we'll find out later if you are, yes, sir. in fact, correct. 1959 Cadillac is a full-size car, for sure. It is a full-size car. <laughs> and an American one. So. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Right on. Okay, so now back to the task at hand here. So uh, for, for almost a couple of years now, we've been following along as your 67 GTO engine has been uh, out of the vehicle getting a rebuild in the ether mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, it's just, it's gotten to the point where I've waited long enough. I want this back. I want to get this finished on my terms. And um, you had come up, with the idea when we talked last on the air to say, Hey, you're selling the car, you're selling the engine. You got to get it back. Well, uh, that wasn't my, my idea either. That was a gentleman we were talking to at the muscle car and Corvette nationals who came up with that idea. Oh, that's right. And there was a handful of us talking and I don't remember exactly who it was. So maybe I told you, but it was somebody else's idea. I got you. Okay. Uh, and and, okay. and the reason there is, so this engine build isn't like he's got to weld the block back together using, <laughs> right. you know, sticks and, and a piece of right. steel and flint or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just turns out to be taking far too long for right. really unknown reasons. Well, yeah. So, uh, like I said, enough was enough. The idea was floated to say, just tell him you sold the car. You got to get the engine back. So that's what I did. And... um and it worked. So we, he finally called me back, and uh, we talked about it, and he told me everything he, he had done, everything he has in, in the engine, and uh, what, the, what the, the balance due was based on the deposit I put down. So Nice. So that's all, that's all it's left to do. And, and then, and plus the involvement. Then starts, then, now it's all, then it's all on me now. Well. Which is, 
which is fine. But we did have the involvement of Kelly calling to shake him down. We did have the involvement of Kelly. That's and, one phone call I do not want to get, man. Well, that's how stuff gets done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and she was very frank with him. And the whole point of this little ruse of, I'm you know, I've sold the car uh, is not to be, you know, dishonest in any way. But mm-hmm. what we've learned is that for whatever reason, unfortunately, somebody else is apparently more important than you, which right. really kind of sucks because you called and, and, and harassed them and, and not harassed, but you were nice and, you know, right. do you need anything? What else can I do here? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you were just not getting the progress that you wanted. Well, mm-hmm. so she called up and said, hey, I just bought this car and this engine and I'm picking it up on Tuesday and let's go. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it might have, it obviously greased the wheels a little bit. Yes, yes, you could say that. Well, and kind of the nice result is really at the end of the day, it's kind of no fault. Nobody had to really be a jerk about it. Right. Because that's not what anybody wanted. You just really just right. wanted your engine. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So when you uh, when you do pick this thing up after you pay the final bill, what are you going to be getting back? Uh, well, the block, of course. Um, the rods, pistons, crankshaft. Um we um took the uh, the um rods back out or i take i'm i'm sorry the 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 main bearings he's going to take back out in the in the in the rings he said just to save to save some balance you know take some of the balance off which mm. you know i can i can get you know bearings and rings anywhere so i'm gotcha. not worried about that so but he did say it's been balanced which is nice so that helps out a lot, um, and there's a couple of parts that you know I, my um, uh, crankshaft pulley was there, and so he 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 remembered that. Yeah, so good. we'll get that back. Yeah, cool. So, so you'll you'll still have the opportunity to assemble this thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But everything has been test fitted and machined, and mm-hmm. and so they they dunked the block and cleaned it and yeah. bored it and line bored it. And yes, it's been honed. I, I was actually I showed up at his shop one day when he had it on the line bore machine, and he was he was uh, line honing it and getting everything straightened out, which is pretty cool to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. Yeah, cool, so then you're right. Cool then uh, it, soon it will be all on you now. Yep, and that's and I'm I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I'm I'm more fine with that than anything else. Right. Well, the so. nice thing is at least. You know, it, it's back on, <clears throat> in your territory, and if you uh, if you don't get it done in a weekend, it's it's it doesn't matter to anybody. It's your deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I hope to have it done in time for the um, the V8 drive-in uh, spectacular. Oh, hey, well that would be great. And and you know what? That's a, a f- I think that's a fairly comfortable target. Which is as we're recording this in the end of January, our our VA drive and cruise is the fourth annual this year, and it will be on August sixteenth. And you know, people, you know, the guy listening, <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we got a couple people now. It's the three people yeah. listening. Uh, I think we got three people. Yeah. They're thinking, well, how do you know? Why does it take from January to August? But you're a regular guy. You've got family commitments. You've got, you know, family household right. budget and everything else. So that's, I think, that's a comfortable, non-stressful. There, something's not going to go right. You know that? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, yeah, there, 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 there will be pain. So I mean, hopefully not much, but there's it's not, not it's not like you're getting a, a complete kit dropped off at your doorstep that just needs two two turns of the screwdriver and it's done. Right. Yeah. It it needs it needs stuff. You know, I, I still need to source uh, the right cam for this thing as well. So I still mm-hmm. have to get the whole valve train. So. And you I had the heads done a me. long time ago, right? The heads are ready right. The heads are all done. Yeah. Uh, they'll have to actually, you know, they'll have to be disassembled because I've. If I use a roller cam, I have to get different uh, valve springs. Right, um, right. Because the ones I have are for uh, an 068 cam. So they're pretty lightweight in, in, in relation. So, mm-hmm. um, On kind of a side note, it turns out that that 67 GTO that we're restoring in our shop right now, uh, we've gotten to the point of getting ready to, to kind of freshen that engine up. It was rebuilt. It only has about 1,000 miles on it, but it was rebuilt in the late 80s. Holy cow. So it has time on it. It doesn't have any miles yeah. on it. And uh, Tyler, our technician, tore it down and inspected everything, and everything looks really, really nice. And he found mm. a neat trick that you don't often see on Pontiac cylinder heads, and that is yeah. that the rocker studs were bored for big block Chevy-style rocker studs, which now makes it yep. an adjustable valve train. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a set of big block uh, studs for my heads. There you go. Yeah, yeah I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah, pretty basic. Otherwise, you're switching out push rods over and over again. You get mad, right? Right. <clears throat> so good, right on. Well, yeah, that is all good times, news, man. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm pretty you, stoked about it. You thought about finishes on the outside of the block? Well, it'll be metallic Pontiac blue, of course. Right, but there's more to it than just that. You know, there's. Oh. Is this going to be a, a VHT rattle can? Is it going to be a, oh. uh, a oh. modern base clear urethane custom blended in the color? Is it going to be a uh, an Eastwood will... ceramic out of the can with a spray gun? Oh, Jesus H. Crimey. <laughs> See? So many, so many painting choices. Uh, well, I was... I had it in my head just to use a VHT rattle can. I mean, I, the block, I'm, I'm not worried about so much paint lifting or anything, but it's Still those heads. stinking heads yeah, that yeah, yeah. Just, just beat the je- the jeepers out of any paint you really put on them. So yeah. it's, that's my, my big thing. I'd love to have it so it lasts a little bit and you know maybe get a, at least a year of use out of it before, before those exhaust ports start you know, peeling yeah, and yeah. blistering. Well, I know that, you know, typical automotive base coat, even with a clear or a single stage, tends to stand up really well. Um, it, you're right, it does burn in those ports. We've yeah. had good success with that ceramic-based stuff that uh, that yeah, Eastwood right. sells. Uh, but as we're talking about this, I'm wondering, and this would not be a low-budget proposition, but I'm wondering if one of the uh, coating companies could ceramic coat them. Mm, that'd be cool because we you know we're just about to set off some uh some side pipes from a uh a replica cobra that a customer has and he wants them all blacked out and we've dealt with a we've dealt with a bunch of companies on that stuff in the past for headers and stuff and exhaust manifolds and if you get them ceramic um they tend to, to last quite a while but i've never seen a ceramic and a metallic pontiac blue mm. i gotta ask you uh, first yeah, you could. You could be leading the way there. Right. Right on. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And then, of course, there's always the aluminum solution, too. You know, you could just dump the heads. and. Yeah. But 
Maybe that's, that's a that's, project after all the paint peels off these. Yeah. That's a good motivator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty slick. I mean, my God, aluminum heads float so great right out of the box. Yeah. I mean, way better than the cast iron ever did with even with a lot of port work. Yep. But, um, There's some nice uh, off-the-shelf options, too, for Pontiac, so. Yeah, there really is. I mean, KRE has good heads, and uh, Edelbrock has good heads. Mm-hmm. So you got two good ones right there. They're very light, and, and they uh, they take the yeah. equivalent amount of money as, as weight of aluminum to buy them sometimes, and that's the problem. Yeah. 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 No, they're not terrible, but. Yeah, but they don't give them away. No, they don't. But. So yeah, why would they? But that that brings up kind of an interesting point uh, recently. So the last episode we talked about, we addressed some of the comments that we were seeing on uh, social media about various topics. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, and and I think coincidentally, I, I got an email today from one of the Pontiac forums, just kind of their update thing, and they were kind of comparing. You know, are the are the forums days numbered because of the group thing on social media? Right, and I, I don't think so. I think the information is so much easier to find, and you have such a greater aggregation of knowledgeable people on a legitimate mm-hmm. forum versus, you know, a Facebook page. True, um, they're still helpful without a doubt. It's nice to have mm-hmm. both. Sure, but recently, um, again, along that same ripped from the headlines kind of theme, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's been a topic that's really kind of getting on my nerves on the Facebook groups <laughs> and it's the subject of paint jobs again, paint jobs. And I don't know if we've covered a little bit of this in the past, mm-hmm. um, but, but the topic that keeps popping up is some, some person, and it doesn't matter what the group I've seen it in, you know, the Chevelle group or a Mustang thing or classic Buicks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, Hey, what should I pay for a good paint job for my car? And here comes the, uh, the, the river of feedback from people and you'll see like, you know, numbers that are not substantiated by anything, which Mm -hmm. I understand not everybody does this for a living. And there's a lot of, a lot that goes into it. What gets me aggravated is when somebody starts, you know, militantly shouting about the numbers that are being out there and claiming to be an expert because of something that their friend got or they saw mm. once or whatever. Right. And, and one of them was, you know, this guy was doing a, I think he was doing a Chevelle. It was a couple of years ago, actually. He was doing a Chevelle and he was, he was threatening his painter on social media saying, Oh geez, this guy charged me X amount of money. And he put the actual dollar amount. It was, it was a good amount of money. It was like 23 grand and my car's not done yet. And you know, Let's go bring torches and pitchforks. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, I'm trying to kill this guy's business because he won't return my calls or whatever. And mm-hmm. instantly, you know, there was 150 comments of people saying, you know, I'd sue him and this is BS and, you know, take him to court, whatever. Right, right. Go right. get your car and set his shop on fire. And, <laughs> and finally, the guy doing the work stepped up and he said, uh, well, here's my side if anybody's interested. And he right showed on. pictures of the car and what the customer was including in a paint job was like 
almost every metal panel on the car had to be replaced. And this really? guy, this guy did the work and he put quarters and floors and door skins and, and uh, fender repairs and gapped everything and aligned it and then body worked the whole thing. And he painted the frame and disassembled the chassis and he was getting ready to do primer to get the final outside into color. And he was at uh-huh. 23 grand and he said, I'm charging you like really it. Yeah. It turned out to be like 18 bucks an hour. Yeah, I was going to say, this guy's giving it away. Right, and see how fast the story changes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Right, and and I've been on both ends of the story, you know, because uh, people don't who don't do it every day, they don't know what it takes, and there's no real standards out there of what a paint job, you know, really mm-hmm. is. Uh, right. So, you know, in our shop, we, we always try to, sit down and educate people ahead of time and and have this conversation and say, look, you know, there are many, many variables. And of course the expensive materials and and everything else that go into this. And and once they start to get a handle on it, then they can see, and it it becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, realistic again. But what, what people are, are, I think my whole point here is that I would love to shed a little bit of light on some questions to ask, you know, when somebody says, you know, how much should a paint job cost rather than just throw sure. out, it should be 3,500 bucks and you shouldn't pay a yeah. dime more. Right. You know, or yeah, if, if all you're doing is laying down color, maybe that's it. Yeah. What, what does a paint job mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And when, cause I, I, you know, I know going to some of these events and, and being out in the world, I think the most expensive, you know, paint, project which do, did not include total restoration of mechanicals and not not the whole car restoration uh but i've seen two hundred and fifty thousand dollar, you know paint refinishes Oof. and at that Oof. at that level it's it's mind-bending and and you are starting to pay a premium for the individual's name who did the work yeah most shops can't do that you know you can't mm-hmm. say well it's an extra 20 bucks because this guy's doing it you know mm-hmm. um it's not a designer application. Uh, but the first thing to understand is that when you figure out what it is that you want done, um, like any restoration, th- these projects tend to grow from what the original thought is mm-hmm. purely because more things are revealed along the way that need attention. And, you know, that old story, it's, well, I, I want this car to, to come in looking not so good and leave looking nice. And mm-hmm. what does it take to connect those two dots? And a lot of that is, well, you might have to take it apart farther than you think so that the the painter has access to the panels and, and there might be rust underneath and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no apples to apples comparison a lot of times. And what people don't seem to understand is that if you want a good, high-quality paint job that is worthy of bringing home an award at, a, at an event or, you know, a magazine feature or something like that, you have to hit the details. And the details are what take all right. the time. And an example of this, I kind of broke down just for simple round numbers. And this is not a real case study. This is just off the top of my head. Re, refinishing and fixing one body panel. You know, we're mm-hmm. just going to say a fender at this point. 
And, you know, to somebody who doesn't do this every day, they think, okay, well, you got your fender and, and uh, you know, maybe you, you sand it down a little bit and then you, right. you pound on it a little bit and maybe you uh-huh. slap a little filler on and sand that <laughs> then you prime it and then you paint it and you're done. And the whole thing could be done in, you know, 10 hours, eight to, eight to 10 Easy hours. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but what they're not taking into consideration is that before our shop even starts any of that, we probably spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes on that fender just dimensioning the whole thing so that we know how it fit when the car came in. So mm-hmm. we run around with a, a, a dial caliper and measure the gap all the way down the hood between the fender and the door at the bottom, mm-hmm. how the grill fit, how the fender extension fit, how the headlight and all that stuff. So that at the end of the process, when we put it back together, it goes either back together in the same way or it's better. Right, 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 right. So that could be that could be a half an hour. You know, realistically, if you think about it, we, we stretch some masking tape around all the perimeter edges. We write down all the measurements. We photograph it all. Seems like it could be a half an hour. Well, mm-hmm. just that is is a detail that just starts adding up, and nothing even happened to the car yet. Right. <laughs> you know. So you know, then you're looking at in that process, you're you're looking at if there's any shims or what kind of hardware is there, and does any of that need to be addressed? Do you have rusty shims? Well, that means you got to get some new shims, and mm-hmm. not that shims are expensive, but got to get the right thickness if it fits right. Right. And and find that kind of stuff. And then to, to start to put a wrench to the thing to get that fender off the car, what do you need to take off? Do you need to take off the grill, the bumper, the fender extension, the wheel tire? Do you got to jack the car up? Do you, right. you know, do you have to clean mm-hmm. it all off first? Has it been driven through the mud? You know, because mm-hmm. you can't work on a, a repaint yeah. with mud. So nope. now, you know, you're at, by the time you, you spin the wrenches and get the fender off the car, you could be at four or five hours. Yeah, good lord! Uh, At X amount per hour of labor of shop time, I mean, yeah. you're, not, you're not that deep into it, and you, you're already in the hole. I mean, you're already you're already at three, you know, four hundred dollars into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, is anybody a crook at this point? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, not at this point. <laughs> but but even to go just that far, you bring the car to the shop, and this process happened. Now you get a bill in the mail. And the bill says, uh, in a photograph, and it shows that your car's sitting there uh, and the fender is off, and you get a bill for 400 bucks. <laughs> I mean, I can see how people would run right to the internet and say, right. are you kidding me? This guy charged me 400 bucks to take my fender off. And then all of his friends are going to gang on and say, right. this guy's a crook. Run him out of business. Mm-hmm. You know? But providing that detail of all the things that occurred is crucial so that you know the guy writing the checks understands what's right. going on. Yeah, and then he knows why he's writing that check. That's right, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know there's there's a weird thing that happens sometimes with the restoration business and 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 many enthusiast type businesses where the the job is something that is a paid version of somebody's hobby, right? People that are customers right. oftentimes think that. Well, this is this is what you do for fun. This is this is a hobby. You know, I, I can do this in my own garage, but I just don't have the time, and I don't pay right. I don't pay myself, so it's hard for them to pay somebody else. So, as a customer, you really have to have the mindset that you're you're hiring a team of experts to do what they do, maybe do what you can't do, 
or do what you won't do or, or do what you can do but far better right. right and and that has value and if you're not ready to do that do yourself and the shop a favor and just don't even start the process you know if you're yeah. if you're going into a shop not trusting from day 1 it ain't going to yeah. go yeah you you've already decided that you're going to have a bad experience regardless of what happens. Right, right. Yeah, And you can't win. You can't win when somebody has that attitude. No, it's tough. And and at the same time, I, I'm not saying blind faith, write checks blindly right. and just go to town. But right. it, it is very challenging for um, any shop to write an estimate or a quote for this type of work um, because – Every single car is different. Mm-hmm. They're 50 years old. Yeah. Who knows how many times this thing's been hit and crushed and bent mm-hmm. and rusted and repaired underneath already. Right. And not only that, today's body filler is so good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm convinced you don't even need a car anymore. You could sculpt the oh, whole boy. thing out of filler and block sand <laughs> and paint it. It would look great. You know, and somebody could look at it and go, well, it really wasn't that bad. You know, how come I need all this work? Well, underneath, it's not there. And if you want it done where it's all correct steel that fits properly in steel so that it lasts, you know, a long, long time and you're happy with it, well, that's going to be the time. So how do you estimate that? Well, you can't until you get into it. And even then you can't. You can kind of go panel by panel and say, all right, in our little scenario here. So we got the fender off and then we we took a sander to it and we stripped all the paint off and... uh, you know, what we like to do is have the edges media blasted so that it, it, it comes off quickly in the the real intricate areas. But then we use uh, dual action hand sanders and strip the big flat panels off so we don't get them warped or damaged. Gotcha. Uh, but here, here goes another, you know, couple hours and, and the service provider of a media blaster. So, yeah. you know, now now you've got a stripped fender that's off the car and you're, you're pushing, you know, $800. <laughs> God dang it. It's, it's one piece, you know, and, and that's an eye opener. But, and again, somebody who does this can should and, and better, they owe it mm-hmm. to their customer to articulate every single mm-hmm. thing that happened. You know, sure. So that everybody's well, yeah. comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, the, cause if I get a bill that says $800 re- removed and stripped fender, I'm going to be a little pissed off. You are right. You know, and, and that's the business of the shop is to not be in the customer aggravation department. Right. You know, right. We, we want the customer to go, wow, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But the first part of this pro- process, it kind of sucks. You know, there's not a lot of awesome because you're right. You're revealing ugliness <laughs> and you're, you're, you're doing things that are hard to grasp the time frame on. And it's not like, you know, I know in our own case, our, our shop is not inefficient the way we do the work. Uh, mm. And, and we, we always invite customers to come down and visit any time. Come down without warning and you'll walk in and you won't see people standing around and, you know, everybody's mm. on point and on mission. Um, but once that, that fender is stripped and we, you know, clean it properly and prep the steel properly, take it into the paint booth and shoot some epoxy on it. Uh, and now you got a few more hours into it. Now you got some material mm. costs as well. Yeah. And that's when you really get a look at it and say, okay, well, this edge has rust. We got to repair this mounting hole. We find some dings and dents, um, you know. And that's when the the hammer and dolly work starts, and and maybe we do some patch panel work or whatnot. So that's an open ended thing in some ways. Of course, as we're stripping it, 
you know, we, we always look at it right away and try to determine, is this whole thing going to be better if we just replace it, you know, and not right. spend the time? Uh, we always do that. And you weigh it out, and sometimes a customer will say, well, geez, you know, a good fender might be six or 700 bucks. That's expensive. But you can see where we're at already in repairing mm-hmm. a messed up one. It's going to go far past that. Right. You know, so... Right. Once kind of the, the the big broad strokes are are metal worked and fixed, you know, then then the thing gets mounted back on the car and aligned, and and the gap work is done, and that's that's a few more hours to get the thing back on the car and right. and finessed into position, and and that's when the uh, uh, the body work starts happening. You know, when it gets filler spread on it and sanded off and block sanded to the panel next to it, so it all fits you know perfectly smooth, and you know there could be you know, a guy could work on it for a day easily. Mm-hmm. That's eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> guy works yeah. on a couple of days, two, three days, three, four days. Right. You don't know. Uh, redrilling mounting holes for badges and stuff or closing them up if you're not putting the trim on. You know, these are all mm-hmm. little things. Sure. Uh, when the thing, the fender is sanded down from from a, an 80 grit to one a 180 grit, um, it gets primed again and the and then it gets blocked again, but that means it had to come off the car and go back to the paint booth and get sprayed. And, oh boy! And again, a few more hours, and now you got a little yeah. more material. You got some primers, some cleaners, some solvents, some sandpaper, and at least it's starting to kind of look like a fender now. But we're a long way from it being shiny in color, right? <laughs> and not to bore everybody with every single detail, but there's there's once it's in primer, there's wet sanding that has to happen. There's cleaning. Uh, then there might be a sealer process. We might have to mask the outside and, and clean and prep and paint the backside so it doesn't rust again, you know, or if it's going to get a black or something. And then it gets cleaned again and then reverse masked. And then the outside gets uh, its final wet sanding and color application. And and then finally the, the clear. And then it gets removed and unmasked and then wet sanded and buffed and then put back on the car. And then, you know, if there's any trim or whatever, you could be at, in this little silly example off the top of my head, that's 57 hours. Oh, jeez Louise. On a fender. So, uh. it, you know, is it fair to take that time? Because I just made all that up, essentially, you know, right. a few hours here or there. Uh, right. And say, well, you take that. You got, okay, I got two fenders and I got two doors and a hood and a trunk and a roof mm-hmm. and everything else. So now, you know, do we just do that by six or seven and, and I don't know, you know, it depends because the other factor is, you know, things like door jams and the backside of the hood and the backside of the trunk lid and, and the inside of doors, you know, if you want all that stuff done, it's, it's more time with somebody having a sander and, and hand sanding and working the details. And at the end of the day, what, what's the quality level you want? Do you want this to be mirror glass flat? paint mm-hmm. that's perfect in every way or do you are you okay with a little bit of orange peel in the texture uh so that it, it's got like an original style the difference between having some orange peel and having a glass flat finish it doesn't Few more mean, hours it's, it's just it's a couple of more weeks is what it really is oh good heavens and and it doesn't really have much to do with getting the edges and the, the door jams and stuff like that because that's going to happen regardless mm-hmm. um but you know now now you understand where you know somebody says well it costs me 20 grand to have this car painted plus the fact that materials you know uh, 
a pint or a quart of, of a red can easily be three, 400 bucks, you know, so you're looking Oof. at over a thousand bucks a gallon just for the color and a whole car doing inside and outside and backsides and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That could be two gallons. And that's not even the clear to go on top of it or the reducers or the hardeners and, and the cleanup thinner and the primers and the sealers and all the rest, you know, so materials, we tell people, you know, three to five grand for materials, including, you know, sandpaper and all the rest. And they look at me like I'm nuts, you know, Mm -hmm. but when I show them the, the invoice from the paint company, you know, then they start to, they start to understand a little bit. So... This one, this topic, you know, next time you see somebody that throws it out there and you'll, you'll find a few people that, that stand up and say, no, you, it, it takes 20 grand to paint a car for a nice mm-hmm. paint job that you'd be proud to yeah. show. And then you have all the naysayers, you know, uh, it right. should have been 1500 bucks or, you know, or you right. sue them. Yeah. This ain't Mako. Yeah. You know, for Pete's sake. And that, it ain't Earl Scheib. <laughs> yeah. Any car, any color, twenty nine ninety five. You're crying out loud. So, and if and, that's what you're looking for, then you know you're in the wrong place, fella. Right. So, right. So, if you're having thoughts of of going down that road and having that kind of work done, have this conversation with the the service provider over and over again, and go through the shop and look at the panels and look at the cars and pay attention to. You know, look for tape lines where are, are the door jams, you know, the old paint and they just painted, you know, the big flat spots right. uh, or is every area covered? Was the car completely disassembled when it got painted? And think to yourself, how long does it take to do that? You know, tear all the weather stripping out and put it all back in. Oh, yeah. You know, Jeez, I didn't the, even think about that. Sure. The glass, the trim around the windows, because our example yeah. was a fender. A door is worse. All that stuff's got to come out. Yeah. You know, and Oof. and this was leaving something on the frame, you know, so if you're going to take it off the frame, then then, of mm-hmm. course, you're going to refinish the frame. And, and 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 again, the point of this isn't necessarily to scare people away that it, you need to be a millionaire because a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff you can do yourself and mm-hmm. it starts to frame people in on what's really more important. You know, is it something that they have to have that that nice of a car or do they just want something that's you know, looks okay or looks decent that they get more satisfaction driving or, or, you know, whatever. Uh Um, And, you know, a lot of times it's a a better idea to just go buy a car that's already finished. Uh, Of course the, yeah, there's that, you know, the, the risk factor there is that, well, what's that one hiding? Yeah, there's (laughs) that. (laughs) Guys like you and I don't sit well with that. Yeah. So, Mm. yeah. Mm -mm 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 -mm. So the the more, you know, it's like the old uh, Saturday morning cartoons, you know, the more you know with the little shooting star. Right. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing I would suggest is try not to get in a situation where you've written somebody a big check uh, and then hope that they're going to get the work done to a certain degree. Um, Uh We invoice weekly just to try and keep everybody on the same page. Sure. Uh, I don't want a big deposit. I don't. I don't want people to say, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you twenty grand cash today and just go paint the whole car, um, right? Because it's not good for business cash flow, um, and it's who knows? It could be less than that. It could be more than that. But mm-hmm. I know as a customer, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. 
because right. uh, then you don't have any leverage uh, along the way. Uh, but ask the technicians to be, uh, you know, have them tell you every single detail and you'll feel much better about, mm-hmm. uh, uh, about paying the bill because you'll, you'll understand that you got a value and it's worth it, you know? Yeah. I, I do like seeing a nicely painted car. Well, we all do. Yeah. And we all, pretty. we all know what uh, a not so nicely painted car looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I got one up in the garage. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm leaning on one right now that, that, well, only because it's, it's 20, almost 20 years old. This Well, 21 years old, this paint job now. Yeah. Good paint Lord. The paint job on that goat is, God, how old is it? I think the old man had it painted in probably 90, 93, maybe. So maybe 24, 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, yeah. that quarter of a century ago, it was probably in, in far better shape, you know. Yeah. So it, it was probably much closer to a, a good old-fashioned repaint where they didn't have to take everything apart. Right. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. My old man, he could get things done on the cheap. <laughs> the cheap, baby. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I never met. I never knew anybody like him. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah. Now, now is your chance to uh, uh, to address those who had done the work for him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Over the years, mm-hmm. sorry, hey, sorry hey. about that. That you had to deal with that, you know. Yeah, so, sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's great if you can get those kind of deals. It's hard to motivate somebody to to care and do that kind of work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So anyway, that that's my uh, my ripped from the headlines thing this time. Um, again, being close to it as we are, it's a little a little frustrating to see the the Monday morning quarterbacks out there and, and right and the people who don't tell the entire story. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's you know, no, nothing can really turn a crowd on someone than the getting getting the complete picture. Right. Rather than just the one side, like like you said, when when the painter stepped up and said, "Well, here's what's really happening," right? Like, and ah. and don't get me wrong, there are far, unfortunately, far too many characters out there who have taken the money and not done the work. Right. True. And and True. we see that when you have a a collision shop that relies on fixing bumper covers and and crashed import daily drivers. Uh, because insurance companies mandate they fix those cars right away. So that's yeah. when, you know, if you have your car painted at a uh, a collision shop, your classic or whatever, it's going to get pushed to the back every time a new crushed wrecked car yeah. comes in. Because um, that's just the business model. The insurance company, as soon as somebody crashes a car and brings it to yeah. a, a repair shop, they start a stopwatch because they're paying for a uh. rental car. And uh, yeah, and okay. a lot of people don't know this, but body shops have a a turnaround time standard that they're supposed to meet, so that the really? insurance company continues to give them work because oh. that's a customer. And if it takes one shop, you know, an average three days to do a a, a deer hit, you know, bumper cover, hood, and headlights uh-huh. and stuff, and another shop takes on average two weeks, well, that other shop ain't going to get the work. The three day shop's right. going to get the work. So. Huh. To shift gears and go well now no I'll tell you what Mr. Insurance Company I'm gonna I'm gonna defy you and I'm gonna put my heart and soul into my buddy Mike's GTO repaint right now mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. happen that much so that that's how these things right. turn into paint jail sentences for years oh okay I never knew that 
I mean, I've heard stories of of cars being in paint shop purgatory. Yep. But never really understood why that would happen. But yeah. now that's a, that's now I do. Now I do. So huh. you might want to pick a shop that kind of specializes in doing classics and that doesn't take in right. collision work. And and we don't do any collision work in our shop unless it's the occasional wrecked classic car. You know. Right. And and. Luckily, You're dealing with like a Haggerty or or a, or a yeah, a, what you call it? Um, oh, a Grundy or a, a yeah, Grundy. Thank you know, you. one of the Sorry. specialty insurance companies, and they understand. You know that doesn't have a deadline because it's not taking you to work, and you know tomorrow morning. Right, right. Um, yeah, they're a, not probably they're not providing a a, a rental or, or any of that kind of stuff. They're just getting right. your car fixed. You know, but there's a whole so. other set of rules there too, and this is one that that. Uh, I encourage everybody to ask their insurance representative, doesn't matter what company it is. Uh, what we've learned is that the purpose of the insurance is to bring the car back to the condition it was in the day before the wreck, essentially. Right. And right. What all, what's happened to us, and we've only done a few of them, but each time a car has been wrecked and brought to our shop and the customer says, okay, well, you know, the, the front end got crunched, uh, but, you know, there's a couple scratches on the roof and, you know, there's a little thing on the right. deck lid and, and maybe we could just get those at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's not part of what the insurance is going to cover. Yeah. Uh, right. That's an out-of-pocket deal because it wasn't a direct result of the wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's worse is that, say, for example, you had a car that was your typical kind of repaint where you have original paint in the door jams and a tape line and more, you know, newer paint on the outside. That's all the insurance company is going to bring it back to. Oh, so they're expecting to return that tape line and leave the door jam alone. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a real hard pill to swallow because every technician says, well, I, I, I'm here. I got it apart. Yeah. I'm going to fix that. But if you put an extra six hours into body working and sanding and priming and painting the whole uh-huh. door jam area, um, the insurance company is going to come back and say, well, that six hours is not on us. That's on the customer. Oof. So, Gosh dang it. Yes. It's a, it's a tough business. And, and we're very yeah. happy that there is collector car insurance out there where they don't just say, well, it's old. Total it. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's a no worthless kidding. pile. But mm-hmm. as you communicate with your insurance agent, ask him, okay, so if I wreck this thing and have him look at your specific car, you know, and say, okay, well, I, I see over here that, you know, this thing got kind of scratched up on the back part of the fender. If I buckle mm-hmm. the front of it, are you guys going to do the whole thing or, you know, what am I going to be responsible for? Right. And and that's always kind of an eye opener. So, huh. Yeah. Well, that's. That is interesting, my friend. Well, and if you think about it, like a one or two or even a five-year-old car, the rest of the car really isn't worn out. It hasn't been repainted already. Right. So you can just fix the fender and the hood and the door is going to match and all the rest. And it's, sure. It's like it never sure. happened. But when it's right. 50 years old and mm. it's been through two restorations and a you know, a crash and a half and some kid mm. in his backyard spraying it, you know, with a, uh, a Wagner power painter or something <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> you know, that, that's when all these things come to play. So, hmm. and then guess what? It's more expensive and it sucks. So, <laughs> yeah, 
I hear you. Yeah. But it can be done, and it, it uh, obviously the results are out there. So next time you're walking through a show or you see something on TV that looks really, really killer, you know, mm-hmm. you can appreciate. Uh, I, and I always think the, the true superstars, the guys and gals that are doing the work, that are, are have the vision to, to see it as it comes in and see in their mind what it's going to look like at the end and persevere yeah. and maintain that quality standard all the way through. And it doesn't matter if it's the dead set middle of the hood or the bottom corner of, you know, underneath the deck lid. You know, in our case, we try to make all that stuff the same standard. And that's why people come to us because they know, you know, if they go to their local cruise night and they crack the trunk to get their lawn chair and their cooler out, it's not a different mm-hmm. color under the hood, under the deck. <laughs> and their friend's not going to say, would you cheap out in that last corner? You know, whatever. <laughs> and if it's a judging event, the judge will peek in there and say, wow. You know, that looks, yeah. that looks nice. Right, 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 right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it is a judged car, you, you got to know at the shop, you have to research, well, how, is this trunk supposed to be splatter paint or it, what? how far does it go? Is it supposed to be just a flat, uh, fin, flat black finish? I mean, how, how is this supposed to be? Or, or the hinges supposed to be painted? What, what goes on here? That's so. that's a big one too because a lot of cars have overspray from the factory and and not even right. so much you know you know the getting back to your trivia question uh, Corvettes were kind of the first ones that made people look at the factory flaws and reintroduce them with a restoration hmm. of you know body color on a frame rail or something where it was just haphazardly applied at the factory but not only that uh, we did a uh, an El Camino for a guy a number of years ago, uh, a 70. And he was adamant that when you open the hood, the cowl was red um, around the windshield base, but the cowl going forward where the firewall is, is black. And when Hmm. Chevrolet painted that car, they didn't mask it. It just, the spray gun left a soft edge between the red and the black. And he wanted us to recreate that. Hmm. And, and our painter had such a hard time because he's like, really? I don't, don't want to, it's going to take me an hour to mask this thing and make it look perfect, you know? And, and the customer's like, well, no, I, I really want this to have that authentic kind of look, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're exactly right. Um, having a yeah. clear expectation of what you want. And it took longer to put the flaw back in than to just ma- it <laughs> mask it. And, Isn't that something? You know? <laughs> Took longer to make it look worse. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good Lord. I mean, that's funny. To that point, a lot of GTOs had a little bit of that overspray on the uh, on the firewall, but it it also it depended on which factory mm-hmm. it was manufactured in, whether how, how much overspray it was going to have. Like some said, well, the Baltimore plant used this type of gun, and they had a lot more overspray than, say, the, the Kansas plant did. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's how, to the nth degree, some of these crazy people go. Oh, yeah, and then, and then it's also what shift at the plant and what time of year in the sequence. Right. You know, like like sixty five uh, Chevelles, for example. There's there's a timeline on when the tail panels turn black for certain cars versus certain ones that were not black. You know, huh. and and that brings up another point is okay. So you bring a car to a guy and you say, hey, I want this repainted. I want it accurate. I want it correct. But the original paint's long gone, and there's nothing on this car to tell you a roadmap. And this guy takes, you know, a couple weeks 
here and there, looking on the internet, calling people, looking at some pictures, and he might have 10 hours into researching it. You know what? That's kind of part mm. of the job, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And nobody likes to see research time on an invoice, <laughs> but they want the direct result of that research. They, they want, right. you know. Yeah. So negotiate that up front. If, you got, if, if a guy's going to be looking stuff up, you know, we find we, we throw that out to the customer and say, hey, tell you what, if you want to go ahead and find some diagrams or find some pictures uh-huh. of what this is supposed to be in your mind, we'll take them. I don't, I don't need yeah. to spend the time doing it, you know. Well, that's good. That's, that's real good. Like, you know, it give, gives, gives them the choice. So. Right, exactly. So that, that's my, uh, as, we, as we, you know, start to turn the corner on wintertime and, uh, and, and look forward to uh, the spring events where, where people are going to be out there polishing them up again. Uh, mm-hmm. I think to, that's what kind of, you know, a lot of people use the, the off season as time to repaint cars and, and get that kind of right. work done when it's off the road. Maybe that's why there were so many of them popping up on the social recently that started to drive me out of my mind. But Yeah, could be. Could be. Hopefully I can walk the middle ground and see it from both sides. Right, right. <laughs> just help be people. Reasonable. Just help people. You know, ask those questions so that you don't end mm-hmm. up being angry. This is all about having fun and not being angry, right? Right. Well... For some people, being angry is fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it keeps them warm in the wintertime. Some people aren't happy unless they aren't happy. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. We probably should get to these trivia question answers, eh? Yeah, I've rambled quite a bit this time. So. All right. All right. I asked you um, the 83 vet prototypes, uh, how many were there and right. how many exist today. Right, and that was kind of a, a tricky question because uh, yeah. I, I'd like you to expand a little bit on what that car actually is, um, barring the fact that I probably got this completely wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, sure. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I took it to, to be that the, the prototypes were to be the C4 VET and... Um, but because of emission compliance issues, they were forced to scrap them. And I think they just weren't able to get them to market on time. So they, they carried over the 82 for, for another model year. Okay. Um, but they created, my, my research tells me, they created 43 prototypes. Wow. And when they weren't going to go to market gm ordered all 43 destroyed mm-hmm. however they they so, were able to destroy 42 but the factory workers kind of squirreled one away to to escape the um the uh, uh the the crusher as it were and they hid it around the uh the the factory over the years until they got a commitment from GM that it wouldn't be destroyed. Uh-huh. And that single prototype now sits in the National Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Nice. So it. So there's one and and what did I say? It. Three? Three. Yeah, Kevin said three. Nice. So I got that wrong. No, but you were I, close. I, I don't feel so bad because I kinda knew I was getting that one wrong going into it. So I'm okay with kind of like I felt I feel about mine. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on the flip side, I asked uh-huh. you what was the first year for bucket seats in an American full size car, and what was the car? Yeah. And yeah. you came back with the 1959 Cadillac. 
which yes sir as i noted was truly an american full-size car that part is for sure yes however Um, (laughs) well you are you're very 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 close really Uh, yeah you're you're closer than i was so the actual uh first car to be sold with bucket front seats and a full size was the 1958 pontiac star chief really yes Oh man! So I were, was in the ballpark. No, you were you were in the front seat. So you know the the fifth. You were one year off, so you were closer than me, three to one. And uh, the it's the same platform essentially, and all the full size right. were. But it was a GM car. It's right next to Cadillac, you know. So yeah. So that's oh. an almost almost win, right? I mean, it's a that's an a, almost win right there. It's an almost win. <laughs> I've had a lot of almost wins. <laughs> Interestingly, those cars, they hadn't figured out the console yet, so it was just buckets on the floor and a, oh, and I a, gotcha. and a column shift. But uh, that, that was the one. If you get a chance, Google that 58 Star Chief. The interior okay. is insane. It is super cool. I'm writing that down. Right on. 58 Star Chief. All right, so for both being wrong, we're almost kind of right, and that's good for yeah, me. well, you know, we're starting the year off a little shaky, but it's going to get better from here. Yeah, it, it can't get worse. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, uh, this has been fun, and hopefully next time uh, from from the uh, V8 Radio Studios north, you might be able to just turn around and put your hand on some engine parts or something next time. Yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> that is my goal. That would be awesome. For sure. And yeah, well, I'll, I'll definitely, next time we do this, I'll, I, I hope to have more to report. Right on, right on. And uh, I'm sure we'll have all kinds of other stuff. You can, uh, if you dig this show, you can always comment on the Facebook page uh, or on our homepage, varadio.com. You can also tune in on TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Stitcher app, and on iTunes. Um and possibly more places that I'm not aware of at this point. Right. And uh, we'll be sharing this throughout social media and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, thanks uh, thanks for listening, Mike. It was uh, it was fun. It was great, Kev. Thank you. Right on. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch you next time on V8 Radio. <laughs> <laughs>